Hello, gorgeous. Just thought I'd switch it up in case you're tired of me calling you beautiful. Although, how can one really tire of that? Welcome to the show. I'm Lane Smith-Brown, and this is episode number 32 of the Unleash Your Life podcast. And we're talking about something that was triggered by a conversation I had yesterday while I was a guest on a friend's Facebook group. And I suspect it will be a helpful topic for most of you. And it's all about learning to talk to yourself. This is the Unleash Your Life podcast, where you're going to learn to rewild yourself. I'm your host, Lane Smith-Brown, and I'm a best-selling author and rewilding guide. And over the last 20 years, I've been guiding women back to their truest selves. You see, you were born wild with all the wisdom you will ever need to navigate your life in a beautiful and powerful way. Then, just like everyone else on the planet, you got tamed as you fell under the power and influence of others who were also tamed. All that taming you got as a kid has you convinced you are less powerful than you really are. I call all of that unconscious programming power leaks. And on this show, you're going to discover yours and then you're going to choose to plug them so you can get back to the wild, wise and powerful being that you are. So grab a coffee, glass of wine or a favorite friend or all three. And let's talk about what living your wild self can mean for you. All right, we're back. Nice to know you're still out there. Thanks to all of you who are writing me and telling me about your experience here and what you're getting out of these shows. It's so good to know that there are real people out there having real experiences. And thanks also to all of you who've taken advantage of the Plugging Your Power Leaks course. I love that you're finding this so transformative and I'm really glad that I put it together. We are well on our way to creating my dream of tens of thousands of us standing in all of our authentic power and changing the world for the better as a result. So last week I got to be part of the Trauma to Triumph online summit and I met a lot of really great teachers. The woman who organized the event has become a good friend over the years as we both wrote our books at the same time and we're constantly in each other's corner as we're going through every facet of what that entailed. Her work is in South Africa and she is working with people who have experienced a traumatic childhood and, and she's developed the tools to help them work through a lot of those issues. She was kind enough to invite me onto her Facebook group yesterday and the question we discussed was what if I damage my kids because of my own unresolved hurts? It's a good question, especially for those who remember a less than ideal childhood and want to save their own kids from that anguish and confusion. I shared this story of a good friend of mine and her son, now a beautiful young man. Like me, my friend grew up in a home that was not exactly ideal as a nurturing environment. She and her siblings, just like I and my siblings, grew up in the same home, but all had different experiences. 
and different things affected each one in a unique way. This is a testament to the fact that kids all process very uniquely, and there's no cookie-cutter approach to answering that question of, what if I damage my kids because of my own unresolved hurts? So, to observe my friend mothering her children, I think she did an amazing job. She did all the things that she didn't experience growing up. So there were lots of conversations. There were lots of special occasions which each kid was honored and celebrated. Her home was the place where all the kids in the neighborhood would hang out. There were lots of family excursions into the woods or up the mountains as they got to know each other in different types of situations. So in one nostalgic moment when the kids were in their teens, she asked the question, What's one of the significant memories you have of growing up? In her mind, she's expecting something sweet, like the picnic hike they used to take around their favorite lake about an hour away from home, or one of the amazing birthday parties that celebrated another year of life, or perhaps a memory around Christmas or another occasion. Her son chimed in, Oh, the day you lost your shit at Safeway. My, oh, my friend's heart just sank. Out of all the wonderful things that she knew had happened in his life, that's what came to mind. It's funny how our minds file information. We've talked about this a lot, but it is always the emotional impact of something that cements itself in our memory. That emotional impact could be positive, negative, or just surprising in some way. And I suspect this event had been in the surprising category. If memory serves correctly, my friend's kid had been a toddler at the time. And for any of you parents out there, you know there are days where that can be completely exasperating. And he had chosen this moment in this public place to have a meltdown. And so did his mom. From where I stand, it was a completely legitimate response. Now, from everything I can see from watching this young boy turn into a beautiful man, this event did not traumatize him in any significant way. But it does go to show you the randomness of what kids take in. And no matter how hard you try, none of us will do that perfectly. But what if those types of experiences were constant? Instead of just being surprising, or out of the ordinary? What if we always went to bed with a feeling of confusion or embarrassment or disconnection? What if we had all kinds of questions about things that happened, things we observed, things we felt, but we never had a chance to talk it through? Well, besides simply staying in a state of confusion, worry, or some other version of disconnection, we also take those experiences, turn them into memories, forget over 50% of the data, and then add our own embellishments over time. That last part is a result of a recent analysis done on memory that Dr. Joe Dispenza uses in his work. And it partly explains how siblings in the same household, raised by the same people, can have really different stories about shared experiences. So we can't trust the stuff that's in our mind. 
This show is not about whether or not that memory is true. This one is about what can we do for kids so that the memory doesn't turn into trauma. So as this question came up, what if I damage my kids because of my own unresolved hurts? I thought about what I would have longed for as a kid. I wondered what it would be like to have an adult ask me, did anything embarrassing or confusing happen to you today? Or did anything happen that made you feel something that you didn't want to feel? Oh, I might not have answered them immediately, but I wonder if they had asked me that faithfully enough over time and set the stage that I could share with them what was going on in my little mind, it would have opened up a completely different world to me in navigating my life. Imagine someone asking you, and more importantly, wanting to hear the answer to questions like, did anything happen to you today that confused you, embarrassed you, or made you feel something that you didn't want to feel? I think the first thing that would teach a kid is that they have feelings, and those feelings are legitimate. Imagine what that would have felt like as a kid to have had someone acknowledge that you were feeling something and then validated that feeling as legitimate. How much pain would that have saved you? Now, as with every show that we're doing here, this isn't about finding blame in our childhoods or throwing our parents or caregivers under the bus in any way, shape, or form. There isn't an experience out there that cannot be redeemed and turned into something marvelous, but that doesn't mean that the pain wasn't real. Disconnected parents who were raised by disconnected parents who were raised by disconnected parents do some crazy ass shit to us kids. And that stuff lingers. But we are in the business here of ending that behavior. So some of the work that we're doing here is about finding a way to reparent ourselves in the process of doing this work. As transformative as those questions would have been to us growing up, those questions can be equally as transformative in this moment, at this age, and in every situation. What if you had a ritual with yourself that simply asked the questions, did anything happen to me today that was confusing or embarrassing or made me feel something that I didn't want to feel? I'm sure a lot of you are similar to me in that a traumatic childhood can disassociate us quite dramatically from our feelings so that our ego or our subconscious mind just files it away before it even has a chance to register. And as we are in this process of awakening to who it is we've come to be in the world, to understand our purpose and our intention for our life, being connected to our feelings is a powerful way to navigate a whole lot of information. So much of how our intuition talks to us 
is through our feelings. Now, to be clear, my understanding of intuition is that it doesn't have an emotional load. Like it's not super excited or super despondent. It doesn't have these big dramatic emotions. It's more of a knowing, a calmness, a sureness, a certainty that this is the move you need to make next. I believe that that subtlety of communication comes on the heels of first learning to be aware of what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. You'll grow into understanding the subtlety if you learn to do that part first. So let's make this personal. What if when you get to the end of your day, you ask yourself, did anything happen today that was embarrassing? Maybe something was said that attached itself to your insecurity, made you feel less than or unworthy in some way. What was it exactly? What was said and who said it? Do you know why they said it? Why did you take it personally? Was the comment really about you? Or was it something you just assumed was about you? Why did it stick? Was there a familiar feeling about what was said? Did it connect to something from your kidhood or from something similar that happened last week? And why did it weigh as much as it did? What did it impact you in this way? Most of the stuff people say is really pointing at their own sense of connection or disconnection. And then we transfer whatever they say or do into something they are saying or doing to or about us. Did anything happen today that made you feel confused? What did you do about that? Did you just walk away in a state of confusion? Did you ask for clarity so that the confusion went away? Did you make a judgment against yourself that you weren't smart enough to catch on and you didn't want anyone to know it? Did you make a judgment against them that they have no clue how to communicate? They're stupid or full of themselves. You know how our ego kind of loves to tell a story, right? There's usually a whole bunch of stuff that's going on in our heads when we're in a state of embarrassment or confusion that if unchecked leads to all kinds of other stuff that kind of sabotages our relationships and our experiences. So if nothing was embarrassing or confusing during the day, did anything else happen that made you feel something that you didn't want to feel? Something might have happened that made you feel angry or hurt, foolish, unworthy, or dismissed. If that didn't happen to you, what are you going to do to dissipate? Or sorry, if it did happen to you, what are you going to do to dissipate the energy of that feeling in your body before it goes in deeper and lays its hooks into your subconscious mind? Was that experience really about you or was somebody else in a state of disconnection and you got caught in the crossfire? Do you need to develop a skill set so you don't constantly make everything about you? 
Can you see how different an experience can be when we learn to address our feelings when our feelings happen? This isn't about judgment. This is about noticing, being aware of what we're feeling. You see, as I understand it, we are feeling machines. We are feeling machines and meaning-making machines. Machines may not be quite the word, but I like the sound of it because this happens automatically. It's, it's kind of like a mechanical response to something. We feel it. We react either inside, outside, or both. Uh, and then we take it in and we, we try to make sense of it in some way. But if there was a lot of trauma or confusion in our life, especially in our formative years, there is so much of that that we don't even notice until days later. You're still hanging your head and walking around in a cloud because of something someone said two weeks ago or two months ago or two years ago. That moment has now become something much greater than it deserves. You see, we all tend to magnify things. It's not personal. It's unconscious. So something that just sort of pissed you off one day, over time, if not addressed, can turn into rage. Or something that felt dismissive could quite easily turn into a sense of complete despondence or depression over time. When we don't explore what it is we're feeling, in the moment, those emotions can have a really long tail. And what is at the end of that memory tail tends to be a completely distorted impression of what originally happened. Can you see the value of something like this in your life? Can you see the value of being present enough in your day that you take the time to recognize what you went through in the day and then actually allowed yourself the freedom to process it and to decide whether or not you want that emotion to get lodged in your body and in your subconscious mind or do you want to let it go? I know if I was a kid and my feelings were acknowledged, it would have kept me so much more in tune with myself as I was growing up. But I can do this for myself now and change my entire experience going forward, and you can too. We can do this for our friends. We can do this for our kids. And it's not even our kids necessarily. It could just be kids that are in our lives. I suspect most of you had someone in your life who wasn't a relative who said something or did something that completely transformed your life in a positive way. We all had that teacher or a babysitter or someone that you met someplace that just took the time with you and made a really positive, positive impression. Someone who could see you, acknowledge you, leave you with the impression that you mattered. I have three people in my life that fall into that category, and I think about them often. Our interactions were short, and I doubt left the same impression in them as they left in me. 
But three different people at three different times at three different ages came alongside me and dropped a little bomb of truth that communicated to me that I mattered, that I counted, and that I was worth noticing. So with this information, if you're not doing it already, you now know you can do it for yourself and you can do it for anyone and everyone around you. You can identify the feeling and make some connections. Is this feeling making me feel something about myself? As in, is it bringing up something from my childhood or a previous experience that I need to deal with? Is it just a habit of thinking? As in, I believe I'm unworthy, so I take everything in through that filter of needing to prove my unworthiness to myself. That will be a tendency for anyone who has not come to terms with the fact that they are magnificent. Every one of you listening is here on purpose. You are here because you need to be here right now. The world needs you here for whatever reason that might be. You're here because you're supposed to be here and you have a unique gift to offer the world. And the only way you're going to be able to offer that to the world is for you to learn to stand in your power. And in order for you to stand in your power, you need to understand what is coming into your body and into your mind and then make choices on what gets to stay and what needs to leave. Can you see how liberating this is? Can you see how you can be with other people now? Can you see how much of a responsibility you have in paying attention to how you are taking in information. This is serious work and the benefits will be felt immediately. Even if all you do is acknowledge that you have a feeling today that did not feel good to you and then make a decision to let it go without any further exploration, without any further conversation or confrontation, you can decide that that feeling is not something you want to hold on to. Now, do you understand the difference between pushing it down and letting it go? It's a very different action. I had no clue as a kid that I could let go of my feelings. I assumed that my feelings just happened to me and they were mine forever. Awakening to the fact that I had a choice and how I could feel, was one of the first most empowering things that I learned. And I was in my 20s when I put that together. And if you're older or younger than that, as you're listening, this is the perfect time to pick up the tool. It's never too late or too early to do any of this work. Most everyone you are encountering in your life did not learn how to deal with their own emotional life. And they are in reaction mode. And it can wreak havoc in a relationship, at the office, in our political world, and at the world at large. 
more and more of us living in this level of awareness concerning our emotional life puts us in a position, even if it's only by our example of how to be the leader in our own lives. When we get caught up in other people's disconnection, we are being led by them. And that does not serve us in any positive way. We are here to lead our own lives. We are here to fully understand how valuable we are and how valuable everyone else is as well. Imagine a world of people finding love and acceptance and validation in themselves. The end result of all of us filling up ourselves is that we no longer have the need to suck energy from other people in some attempt to gain those feelings for ourselves. Can you hear that? There are people out there who do not feel validated, do not feel worthy, do not feel powerful. So they try to take it from other people. And the person they try to take it from doesn't have to give it. That's where you have all your power. You either give it away or you don't. But no one can take it from you without your permission. So at the end of today or right now, if you feel like it, will you ask yourself these questions? Did anything happen today that embarrassed you or confused you? Did anything happen today that made you feel something that you didn't want to feel? Do I need to have a conversation about that with someone who's involved? Or is this just about me? Do I need clarity? Or do I need to let it go? There's a lot of good information in this one. I hope it's helpful. This has been transformative for me. And I still need to remind myself every now and again not to go up the, up the rabbit trail or up the flagpole, whatever it happens to be, and just stay in my power, calm down, ask myself some questions before it just accidentally slips into my subconscious mind and starts to rule my life from there. I want to let go of as much as I possibly can before that stuff sticks. That's it for this one. It's a good tool. Add it to your arsenal and share it at will. Now, hit subscribe if you want to be notified when the next podcast drops and drop me a line if you want to chat about any of this stuff. Thanks for showing up and doing the work. Until next time, stay weird, stay curious, and keep popping your corks or plugging your power leaks. And uh, check out number nine and ten if that last part was a little confusing to you. Ta for now. Well, I hope this show rocked your world a little bit. If you want additional resources, check out the links in the show notes or at lanesmithbrown.com. And before you go, 
please subscribe to this podcast. It's how we get these tools into the world. And this world needs more wild women standing in their authentic power. Do that for me, will ya? Thank you.